wonderful day. Started out with that, that nice early breakfast, and it was a nice little spread they had down there. So if you missed it, you missed something good. But before we get started, I want to do want to take the time to thank all of our teachers and all of the people who had uh, made this day possible for our little ones and uh, all those who took the time to set up and clean up. And uh, we are truly blessed here at Lincoln Park to have uh, wonderful men and women who are willing to give of their time for our, for our children and for our families and for the kingdom at the end of the day, right? And so all that we do, we do for the kingdom. So brethren, as we get into today's lesson, we do so with our morning Bible study in mind. Steve did a wonderful job this morning. Uh, I told him I never taught in tandem before. We'll see how this goes. We might have to work out a kink for a couple weeks. But he did a wonderful job. It actually, I thought it flowed pretty good, and, uh, and that class will get better. It, it was pretty basic this morning. We know that, but the, it actually starts to get deeper and deeper as we start to go through the various lessons. It was kind of setting the stage for that lesson. So if you missed it, uh, Sunday mornings, Bible study here in the auditorium. Me and Steve will be doing a Life of Christ challenge. It's going to go probably for the next year. And it's going to get pretty in-depth as, in as we go along. And so if you're able to make it, we would love to have you out for that. I know uh, we have uh, Pat and Tom Snyder, correct, right, doing a young adults class that's in the, audit, uh, that's in the fellowship hall. So if, you, if that's a class that you're uh, interested in, we would love to have you out for that as well. Um, and so as we get into today's lesson, today's lesson is going to be, basically it was born from really this series that we have. Uh, they give you some outlines for, for some different sermons that you could use uh, to go along with some of the material. And so I tried taking one of the outlines, and basically we're going to look at the life of John here this morning. And as we look at the life of John, we've kinda, I've kind of reformulated the outline that they gave us a little bit. And as we jump into this, I want you to look at the screen behind me. It says, going the distance, right? And as we go the distance... You know, we could look to Scripture to see that there are many men as well as women, faithful men and women, who have gone the distance for Christ, gone the distance of their faith. And, I, you know, if you remember back, I think it was the sermon I did maybe three, four, five weeks ago on commitment, making that lifetime commitment, what it means to make a commitment to the Lord, right? And that it is a lifetime commitment. And then I also said during that lesson, as we talked about that, I said, did you know that choice or, or failure is a choice? Success is a choice. Faithfulness, or lack thereof, is a choice. And so there are many choices that we make along the way. And so as we go through this lesson, and as we look at the Apostle John, I want, to, I want us to look at it through the eyes of, through his life and his faith, he went the distance. What do I mean by that? Did you know that he was the only Apostle that was not martyred? Doesn't mean they didn't try to martyr him. But he was not martyred. God allowed him to go the distance in his life because God had a plan for him, just like he has a plan for each and every one of us. You know, when we think about this lesson here this morning, when we think about going the distance, isn't it, I mean, isn't it life difficult right now? But are we the first generation of people that think that life is difficult? Isn't life difficult for every generation of people? Don't we all have our own problems? And then even as individuals, don't we all have uh, certain problems and frustrations in, in life? And yeah, sure, they may be different frustrations and different problems, but are they not problems that are just the same? Just because your problems may be different than my problems don't mean I don't have problems. 
right? And so we have frustration. But what do we do when the problems and the frustrations and the fears of life start to creep into our faith? It's time to reevaluate. It's time to ask ourselves some of the tough questions. And so do you ever feel like that everyone and everything in the world just seems to be stacked against you from time to time? I mean, haven't we all kind of been there at one point or another? I mean, do you ever feel like giving up when it just comes to your career? Maybe it comes to your aspirations. Maybe it comes to your faith. Have you ever felt like giving up? I mean, the truth is we all go through and we all share various storms or trials during life. Each and every person is going to go through these things. But I want us to look at a few, a few examples here this morning as we get into the life of John of individuals who didn't give up when things became difficult, who didn't lose faith when things became a little difficult. You know, if you go back and you look at some of these examples, did you know that during the first year of the Coca-Cola company, they only sold 400 bottles of soda? 400 bottles of soda is not very much soda, right? That's like maybe what I would drink in one year. Hopefully not, but I'm sure it's probably somewhere around there. But they didn't give up. Could they have just said, you know what, this soda thing isn't going to work? No, they went on to be a multi-billion dollar corporation. What about the NBA uh, basketball icon? I know some of us don't like him, Michael Jordan, because he was a bull and we're Pistons, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, he was an icon. But did you know that he was cut from his high school basketball team? What would have happened if Michael Jordan decided to give up? Right? We, we would have never been graced with one of the, the great talents of all time. Walt Disney, for example. And Walt Disney, was a, it's a very different, different Disney now than it was in his day. Walt Disney was fired by a newspaper editor because he lacked imagination and no good ideas. <laughs> what would have happened if Walt Disney would have gave up? We wouldn't have had all the theme parks that millions and millions of people visit around the world each and every year. Babe Ruth held the record for the most strikeouts. That sucks. But he also went on to temporarily hold the, the record for the most home runs. He didn't give up. In 1954, Jimmy Dunney, manager of the Grand Ole Opry, he fired this uh, little-known singer named Elvis Presley. After one performance, he fired him. He told Presley, son, you ain't got what it takes. You may want to go back to driving your truck. Elvis Presley, in case you haven't noticed, went on to be one of the great icons in the music industry. So you look at these, these stories, right? Don't we all love the story of the, of the man, of the woman, of the individual who never gives up? that perseveres, who doesn't allow temporary frustrations or temptations to, 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 to get them to fall away or to get them to change their goals, to change their aspirations. No, they dug in, they worked harder, no matter what the frustrations were, and they, they, they went on to be some of the most successful people in their fields. As I said a few weeks ago, failure is a choice. Thomas Edison failed more than he succeeded, but he went on to have some great inventions because he refused to give up. And so the idea of this lesson here today and going the distance is, I want you to think of the Apostle John. I want you to think of his life and what we can know about him in Scripture. I want you to see what he had to deal with, and he never lost sight of his commitment that he made to God. He never lost sight of what he said he was going to do. The commission that God had given him. He had fulfilled it to the best of his ability. So this morning we're going to jump in and we're going to look at the Apostle John to see what we could ascertain from Scripture. Everybody loves a story, as I said, of a person who refuses to give up. 
Did you know that John suffered much for the cause of Christ? He suffered much for the cause of the church, for the mission that God had given him. Why? Because he made a commitment to his Lord and Savior. Did anybody here make a commitment to our Lord and Savior? Anybody here give their life over to Christ? To, to put Christ first in our lives? To no longer focus on the here and now? Even though, yes, we have to deal with the here and now. We don't get to just bury our head in the sand. But we know that Christ is first. And if we, if we put Christ first in our lives, all the other things will eventually work themselves out. You know, God doesn't tell you you're going to ha always have the nicest house, the nicest car, the biggest bank account. But he does tell you that your needs will be met. Anybody here have food, clothing, and shelter? Right? You may not have the clothing you want, but you have clothing. You may not have the shelter you want, but you have shelter. You may not eat what you want, but you have food. You see, that's what Christ promised us. And so as we look at the scriptures here this morning, and we think about these individuals like John and others who have never gave up, there's some biblical examples as this as well, and there's really many, but we only have time for a couple. Think about Moses. Moses, right? He should have he died as a baby because there was the decree that went out from Pharaoh. But he lived 40 years, and his mother weaned him, and then after she weaned him, she put him in this little basket, floated him down the river, and then all of a sudden he grew up in the lap of luxury in the house of Pharaoh, right? 40 years! Then he kills an Egyptian, and then he has to flee for his, uh, flee for his life. He has to flee the country, and so he goes into the wilderness, and he becomes a shepherd. For the next 40 years, he becomes a shepherd, never thinking he's headed back to Egypt. And then all of a sudden, the Lord calls him, God calls him, and gives him a mission to go save my people, Israel. And then he goes back to Israel, and through the hand of God, he brings the people of Israel out of bondage. And so we see uh, his trials and tribulations along the way. We see that even on his way to go do what God wanted him to do, God was going to come kill him. Why? Because he still hadn't done what he wanted, what he was supposed to do as God's servant. He still had not circumcised his sons. And God was going to take his life for it. And so, brethren, we know that Moses had to deal with the trials and tribulations. But did he give up? No, he persevered. What about Jonah? It does not get more down and out than in the belly of a fish. If, if, you've, if you've been more down and out where you've been stuck in the great fish, then we need to talk about that. But after God got his attention, Jonah convinced an entire town of Gentiles, not even Jews, Gentiles, to repent. And to repent of the sin in their lives and to, and to focus in on what God calls them to do. He was not happy about it, but he got the job done. And today we're going to focus in on the life of John. And as we focus in on the life of John, we're going to see how he grew in faith, how he grew in the image of Christ. Are we supposed to grow in the image of Christ? Are we to put on the mind of Christ? Yeah. You see, we're supposed to, as we're growing and maturing, look more like Christ and not more like the world. Yeah. More like the man of death. We're supposed to look like more like Christ and not more like the man that we thought we buried already. You see, brethren, if you find yourself going back to the man that was buried, you need to stop and ask yourself why. And as we look at the scriptures, brethren, just like us, John's faith started with a commitment. He made a commitment to the Lord to follow him and to, and to, and to do all that was required of him. Each and every one of us, when we made Jesus the disciple, the Lord of our lives as disciples, brethren, we made a commitment unto him. 
And as we look at the scriptures, both Matthew, or all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they talk about John, how he was a fisherman. But not just John. John, along with his brother James, his business partners, uh, his, his dad, uh, his father Zebedee. And so we know that they were actually very successful in this partnership with uh, Peter and John as well. Because in Mark chapter 1 and verse 20, it talks about the servants that they hired. They had hired servants because of the successfulness of their business. They also, as I said, partnered with Peter and Andrew in the fishing business. But there's only one passage of scripture that we're going to look at. If you'd rather look at your Bible this morning, uh, you can open up to John chapter 1, because it might be a little bit small on your screen. Some of you, if you could see it, if not, open up to John, uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 35 through 40, because I want you to see uh, what this says here. This is the only passage of scripture that we're going to look here at, in, in depth, really, here this morning. And as you look at this one passage, notice what it says. John 1, starting in verse 35. The next day, John, the baptizer, was standing with uh, two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him, meaning Jesus, speak, and they followed Jesus. Jesus uh, perceives this. He turns around, sees them following him, and he said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated, teacher, where are you staying? And he told them, he said to them, come, follow me, and you will see. And so they came, and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day because it was already about the tenth hour of the day. And so one of the two that heard John speak uh, and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. But you see, there's one other unnamed person that most of your Bible historians believe was John the, uh, the future apostle. That was the unnamed disciple. And that he and Andrew remembered what John the Baptist uh, had said to them, Behold the Lamb of God, as Jesus was walking towards them. And as they, as they remembered John's words, all of a sudden that testimony that he had for Jesus, it changed something in their minds. We know because John became a, a fisher of men instead of fisher of fish. But not just him, also his brother James, as well as Peter and, uh, and Andrew, uh, their, their business partners. In verse 39 of the passage that we have on the screen behind us, Jesus invited both Andrew and what we perceive to be as John to come and to see where he was staying. They stayed all day, all night with him. In Matthew chapter 4, in verse 18 through 22, we then see how, if you compare the stories, Jesus says, follow me. And then Andrew and Peter, along with James and John, it says they immediately leave this lucrative, successful fishing business behind with the father and the hired servants. And they go and they follow Jesus. They, they literally left everything and followed Christ. And from that moment on, John committed the rest of his life to following Jesus, the Lamb of God, the pure Lamb of God, whom he and Andrew got to spend the day with. It makes me think in my imagination, I can only think of the conversation that these men must have had with Jesus. The Lamb of God, who, who uh, John had, must have been telling them about. And so we think about this. Remember, as you think about Jesus coming on the scene, God was radio silent for like over 400 years in the intertestamental period. And so for 400 years, over 400 years, they were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the Christ. And so how excited would they have been to find the Messiah? 
to find the pure Lamb of God, to go to sit with Him and to be instructed by Him and to ask Him questions and to have conversation and to break bread. How exciting must that have been for, the, for these men? That would have been life-changing, so much so that who do you think they went and told? Well, John probably went and told his brother James. Andrew probably went and told his brother Peter. And then all of a sudden in Matthew 4, Jesus says, Drop your nets. Come and follow me. And they leave everything behind instantaneously. Rather, and we look at the scriptures here this morning, just like God invited Peter, and, or I'm sorry, just like John, uh, God invited John and the rest of the Jewish people to repent and to follow him, Jesus Christ also now, post-cross, invites all of us, all of the rest of the world, to come and to repent and to become children of his. Jesus does not promise you fame. He does not promise you fortune for following him. Jesus simply says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. But he also says, if you remain faithful until the end, I will give you the crown of life. Brethren, early Christian writings, meaning non-inspired writings, they wrote of John as this tender-hearted, uh, old, loving man. But John, when you study out the scriptures, isn't always tender-hearted, loving, uh, the loving man as he was perceived in some of the non-inspired Christian writings that came about after his death. But that's how he was remembered. Why? Because that's what he became. Well, how did he become that? Because he followed Jesus. He followed the teachings of Jesus. And he was a man who used to be uh, kind of a man who wanted to act first and think later, kind of like what we think of Peter. But when we look at the life of John, I know that he wanted to act first and think later because of some of the things that the scriptures tell us about him. It says that he became this loving, old, and tender man who's compassionate and kind. But that's not always the picture that we see in scripture. One of the examples that we have in scripture was, uh, do you recall the time that he spotted a man, him and a couple of the other apostles? They spotted a man casting out demons. And he says, we went up to that man and said, you need to stop. You're not allowed to uh, invoke, uh, 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 remove demons using the name of Jesus because you don't follow alongside one of us. And so he was, he was somebody who was impulsive in that sense. Do you recall when Jesus was headed to Jerusalem? Uh, but he said, hey, instead of going the quick way, we're gonna, or instead of going the long way, we're going to cut through Samaria. And they were like, I don't know if that's a great idea. We don't really like each other. But they said, you know what? We're going to cut through Samaria. And the Samaritans refused to show hospitality to Jesus. They refused to show hospitality to the apostles and the rest of the disciples that would have been with them. And John, along with James, asked Jesus a question. Hey, you want us to command fire from heaven to come down and devour these knuckleheads? Paraphrasing. And Jesus says, you know not what manner of man you are. But we see that. That hardly sounds like the apostle of love, does it? That we want to command fire from heaven to come and devour these people. But later in his life, though, because he grew in relationship with Jesus, he grew in his knowledge and what was expected of a follower of Christ, he became what was known as a loving, uh, tender-hearted old man before he died. He grew so much in his love and his compassion that Jesus, as he was literally hung on the cross, he commended his mother over to, G or over to John. 
He commended his mother into the care of this apostle in whom he had such a great uh, affection for. And so, brethren, we see that he became a man of love and kindness and compassion and servitude. We also know that in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 14 and 15, we know that when Philip was down and he was with the uh, Samaritans and, and, and the apostles heard back in Jerusalem that even the Samaritans are accepting Jesus, Peter and John went down there to see them. And we know in Acts 8 and 14 and 15 that John prays not for fire to come down and consume these hated Samaritans like he had done earlier. We know that he actually prays for them to receive the Holy Spirit and the waters of baptism. Brethren, we could see how Jesus and following Jesus will change your life if you allow Jesus into your heart. If you allow his teachings into your mind that you'll find yourself changing into the image of Christ. John was a man who lived in fellowship with Jesus. John walked beside Christ in life. He stood unafraid and unashamed of his love and his fellowship at the very cross of Jesus Christ. When everybody else fled, it was just Jesus and four of the women who stood there unashamed, unafraid of their affiliation with Jesus Christ. He continued his faithfulness to Christ in carrying out the mission that Christ had given to the church. When he was arrested, he was unwavering in his cause and his support of Jesus Christ. Even when he was flogged, it didn't change his mind. And if you don't know what the term flogged means, it means when they had whipped him and they gave him the 39 lashes, it still did not cause him to waver. It still did not cause him to question what he was doing. He was committed. He was dedicated to going the distance, like it says on the screen behind me. Late in life, brethren, he was exiled on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and because of his testimony of Jesus Christ. And if you go back and you study out some of those non-inspired early church, early Christian writings... It talks about the life of John. It talks about how they tried to martyr him. But it was like futile. They could not kill this man for whatever reason. Well, I know the reason. God had a hedge of protection around this man. And God protected this man. And he was the only of the apostles who died of natural causes compared to the rest of them who were martyred. The Apostle Paul called John one of the pillars of the church in Jerusalem. Sixty years after the ministry of Jesus Christ, John stayed true to his commitments to follow Christ no matter the personal cost. Tradition tells us that after being released uh, from exile on Patmos, that he, John lived out the remaining days in Ephesus. It is believed that when he got to Ephesus is when he had uh, written the Gospels. When he had written, uh, not the Gospels, when he had written his Gospel. The fourth Gospel, the Gospel of John. That was when also it is believed in Ephesus is when before his death he wrote his three epistles. And so, brethren, as we get ready to kind of close this lesson down, it's a shorter lesson because I knew that we had other things going on here today, but I really just wanted to focus in on John, focus in on the fact that this man had gone the distance. It is believed that John had died of natural causes 68 years after Jesus went to death on the cross, which if that's the case, it would have put his death somewhere between 98 and 101 A.D. Brethren, you look at this information... From the moment that Jesus called John to follow him, 
until the moment that John had died, he was a man who went the distance for the Lord. He was a man who honored the commitment that he had made to the Lord. He was a man who grew over those years in, in, into the image of Christ through kindness and love and compassion and forgiveness and patience and self-control. He was a man who lived in fellowship with the church and a man who lived in fellowship with Christ. He was a man who stayed true to the mission that Jesus had given, not just to him, but to all of the future disciples, to all of the church, to go out to seek and save lost souls and to bring them the message unadulterated exactly as God had commanded them. Brethren, the next time, and I really need you to hear this, the next time that you are too tired to get up for worship service, the next time you are just dealing with the frustrations of life, you find yourself becoming less and less faithful because you're dealing with stress from careers. You're dealing with stress from families. You're dealing with stress from relationships. You're worried about all of the different uh, sicknesses and illnesses that are going on in society. Ask yourself a question. Ask yourself a couple of questions. When was the last time you were flogged? When was the last time you were beaten with 39 lashes? When was the last time you were arrested or banished to an island for a period of time? When was the last time you saw your best friend crucified on a cross? When was the last time that you suffered public persecution? You see, the list could go on and on of the things that John had done and the things that he had suffered, and yet he never wavered in his faith. John suffered all of those things and much more because of his commitments and his his willingness to choose success, choose victory over failure. Brethren, we look at these scriptures, uh, we look at the scriptures, we look at the life of John here this morning. None of us here today have had to deal with any of the things I just mentioned about John. And yet, we start to become less faithful. We start to put Christ in our, in our commitment to Christ aside. Why? Because of external things. That is why Jesus had said himself, he who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is unfit for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Brethren, Jesus also said that the road that leads to the crown of life is going to be difficult. He never said it was going to be easy. He never promised you riches or fame. He promised you a life that was going to be difficult. But if you remain faithful until the end, he says, I'll give you the crown of life. Jesus also said that the, word, that the road unto heaven, the road unto paradise, is going to be narrow. And there's only going to be a few who find it. Do you know why he said that? Because it's difficult. And there's not many who are going to be willing to choose a life of difficulty versus a life of wanton pleasure. You see, brethren, it's time that we stop making excuses and it's time that we strive towards the goal, the goal that we set forward when we became Christians, to attain heaven, to be like Christ, and to give over our lives in full community and service to God and to the church. Yeah. Brethren, we can't expect God's blessings if we could continue to turn our backs on God. And so we got to stop using fear and phobias and stress and frustrations as an excuse for a lack of faithfulness. Yeah. You can't ask God for his blessings in your prayer life, and yet you're forsaking your most basic responsibilities unto God. Brothers and sisters, if you don't believe me, 
I want you to go after you leave here, and I want you to read the first three chapters of Revelation. It's written to the seven churches of Asia. I want you to see what God had to say to them and how he says if they do not change, if they do not put him first, he's coming, and he's going to remove the lampstand. And paradise will just be a, 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 a distant memory. Brothers and sisters, we made a commitment just like John, but many of us are in danger of defaulting on that commitment. And I pray this morning that we think on these things because God loves you and he wants a relationship with you. But he only wants a relationship with those who actually choose to want a relationship with him. He wants you to choose to love him. He wants you to choose to put him first. He wants you to choose to do what you said you would do. And that's to do all to the glory of the Father. Yeah. Brethren, if you're hearing this message today, and you know you haven't been as faithful, you know that maybe uh, you have fallen away. Maybe you're here today, and you're here for the first time in a while, but you, you want to be restored. You can be restored here this morning. Renew that commitment. Get that fire back in your belly that you had when you came out of the waters of baptism. So that way you can go the distance, as John did. And as so many other men and women that we can read about in scriptures had done. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here today and you've been thinking about Christ. You've been thinking about spiritual things. You've been thinking about salvation. You've been thinking of the, the two roads that we often talk about, heaven and hell. And maybe you realize that you're on the wrong road. And that because you're not baptized into Christ, that doesn't matter how many times you come into the building, you're still outside of Christ. And you need to be baptized. So if you're here today and you want to be a child of God, you want to go the distance, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, come forward and be baptized for the remission of your sins as we stand and sing the song of invitation.